another amazing interview, another amazing guest. And we're going to have an amazing time that you guys are going to spend with us for these uh, 30, 40 minutes. Because today we have uh, Ryan Grone. Am I spelling that correct again? Gro Groney. Groney. Sorry. Sorry about that again. So Ryan Groney is a full-time mobile home park owner and operator that oversees eight parks spread across 500 spaces. So awesome. Good, good. Love it. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Really appreciate you tuning in and staying here with us for these uh, 30, 40 minutes. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, I appreciate it and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Like, you know, everybody, every time when we talk with real estate people, everybody's like, you know, like they're very um, sophisticated and everybody's like sharp and, you know, so maybe, maybe, you know, we, we're just going to relax with this first question, uh, you know, because I just want people for you to share your fun experience, uh, you know, starting into real estate. So maybe you can tell them your background and how you got involved into real estate and in this particular niche, which is mobile home parks. Yeah. So my story, uh, out of college, I was, uh, finance. I got a finance degree from a four-year university here in uh, the United States and um, played baseball in college as well. Actually took me uh, five years to get that four-year degree. I, uh, like a lot of people, I uh, necessarily didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I transferred schools as well. Um, and then I finished up, got a job working as a um, financial advisor. Uh, which basically we sell is basically a selling game. It's, it's not really um, in the best interest of at least the firm that I worked for um, wasn't in the best interest of our clients it was more of a selling to commission. So did that for a short period with license, all that good stuff. Then I worked for a uh, fortune 500 insurance company in um, Cincinnati. And I was, I did a lot of financial analysis and investment analysis, underwriting businesses that we insured, did that for about six years. Um, always wanted to get into real estate kind of on the side, um, knowing that it was a, uh, a good place to, to where you can grow your money and, and not necessarily um, have a job. A lot of people buy real estate for the fact that it gives them time while also cash flow. Mm -hmm. So I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in college. Um, I looked at buying every other investment out there. I looked at buying businesses. I looked at buying um, every form of real estate, large apartments, um, single family houses, commercial buildings, everything. I kind of stumbled on mobile home parks and did a, after a little bit of uh, um, research, I kind of determined that um, there was two reasons really why I got in it, in, in it. The opportunity is dwindling. They're not creating any new supply. So therefore you have a, a huge demand for a product and a supply that is actually decreasing. So therefore, simple economics 101, um, supply and demand. If you have a huge amount of demand and low supply, you're going to have an endless customer base and your, and your product's always going to be uh, wanted. Um, so that, and then the, the returns based on your time. So the returns based on um, and every dollar invested, you were spending less of the operating revenue, which is the, the amount to run the business. Um, on a on a monthly yearly basis versus any other asset class. So that's kind of what got me into the business. Um, I actually looked at doing like a uh, live-in mobile home flip um, over in in where you are. Um, there are caravans, I think, caravan parks or like RV parks. You can't really you can't really live in them full time. 
they're more of a vacation in, in America. They're more of a full-time basis for uh, people that are downsizing, retiring, or just uh, looking for an affordable option in, in nice school districts, nice places to live. Yep. Um, so that's kind of what drew me to the asset class. And um, that was about five years ago. Uh, bought my first one. Um, took me about three years to buy one. It was a lot of education, a lot of uh, looking at a lot of opportunities and probably uh, getting sucked into too much um, analysis versus actually taking action and just, mm. just pulling the trigger. Got it. Got it. So yeah, what, what you mentioned is just, uh, it's awesome because everybody that we start these conversations, like how did you get into real estate? Everybody's mentioning the rich dad, poor dad most of the time. Cause this is like an entry point for real estate people. Like, man, th there's opportunities out there. There's cash flowing businesses that I can, and I can actually acquire. So that's awesome. So in five years, it took you five years. So how long, and like, before we're going to move into another question, like quick, if you cover, like, how did you invest it into yourself? So like book seminars, what did you do in those five years to get the education and get the confidence to pull on these, you know, first deals? So, uh, listen to every, well, first of all, I, I paid money to go to like a, uh, lack of a better term, a three-day boot camp. Um, it's the mobile home university. I am no, I'm, I'm not affiliated with it. That's not a pitch for the product. Um, it's the number one boot camp in America in terms of uh, mobile home park investing. It's probably one of the best one out there. And you can only suck up so much information in a three-day period. They basically, here it is, they lay it out for you. And then um, from there, I looked at every deal. I talked with endless owners, other people that were actually doing it on a day-to-day -day basis, read as many books as possible, um, listened to as many podcasts. I literally just kind of every free time I had, I just got immersed in the product. And then um, from there, I actually started looking at, you know, buying parks and stuff like that. So it's, it's more of a establishing a uh, your self-esteem first within the investment and, and kind of figuring that out. Um, you can learn an asset class that's relatively actually easy, but actually learning the operational piece mm -hmm. is a whole nother arm of it. And um, the day-to-day -day business, uh, you can only learn so much in a book as well. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So coming back to the deal flow and what's the current, you know, investment criteria that you're buying the, you know, these mobile home parks on? Can you talk about the states and the places like how the how many units like how many uh, homes of, you know, and it should be there? So okay, can you talk about that more? Yeah, so right now, um, my investment criteria has changed uh, over your life of, of your investing. Um, period as far as an investor goes, it changes. Right now, my current focus is, um, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, which is the Southeast portion of the United States. So we focus on the Southeast, which is North and South Carolina mainly, um, 40 units and above. And we also invest in Ohio, um, and that is 40 units and above. We focus on turnaround value add deals, where there's either a management problem maybe an infrastructure problem where, you know, these mobile home parks have water and sewer utilities that maybe have a problem with them. Um, or the owner is just uh, looking to retire and we're there to solve his problem. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of times these owners are the first, second generations where they actually built the park and they're in their seventies, eighties. And, um, you know, they still, they're not, they, you, you can't just take advantage of them. They know what they have. Um, so you have to do, you do have to pay for that. 
Um, we have been paying a little bit more than what we have in the past per unit. And then also on a cap rate basis, capitalization rate, which I can, I'm happy to explain that more if maybe, maybe your listeners um, don't know what that is. Um, those have been trending down a little bit as interest rates. Normally they, they kind of go hand in hand with that. Interest rates in the States and, and around the world are pretty low right now. So cap rates are compressing just due to that. Um, we normally look for about a three point spread, three point delta between our interest rate on our debt um, and our cap rate within the first 12 months. So we normally buy, uh, and, and normally what that transitions into is 15 to 20% um, cash on cash yield, uh, which is what we look for pretty much within an 18 month uh, time horizon. Wow, that, that, that sounds like a solid return right there. So definitely, I mean, it, the, the costs are lower, you know, to, to manage it, as I mentioned. So, you know, and again, it's a decreasing product. I mean, there's, you know, probably, you know, some of those catching fire. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, like, like, it, it, like nobody's building them anymore. So you're, you're willing to overpay for the product because, you know, like they're not making it, you know, like if you're going to get it, like it's going to become yours. And if, if you're going to add value to it, you're going to, you know, get your own property management or I don't know, we're going to touch maybe, you know, some points on that. You're going to improve it. You're going to sell it for more. So I don't know. But, um, so what will be the questions when you meet this sophisticated investor who's, who built the park, who owned it for 30, 40 plus years? What the questions do you ask him? Because again, th those are going to be off-market deals most of the time, right? So off-market is a, is a, I just want to touch on that real quick. In today's 2020 environment, off-market, especially in mobile home parks, where there's only about, uh, in the United States, there's roughly between 40 and 50,000 parks in the United States and that's it. So we have a very limited class. And then um, with my investment criteria, it dwindles even more. So I'm probably looking at an inventory of about maybe 25,000 parks, which is not a lot. It sounds like a lot, but it's not. If, you, yes. if you're in other asset classes, there's a lot more inventory out there. So um, off market, somewhat. We, are, uh, we don't try to go like bid on it and on market with brokers and stuff. Off market is a loose and past term nowadays because the, the, the owners have basically become their own brokers. They're calling everybody they've ever uh, come in contact with. So some of the questions we ask them, you know, are just simple, you know, just tell us a story, very open-ended questions to kind of get the relationship going. We want them to like us. So therefore, um, if the opportunity is, is available, we'll ask for seller financing. That's, um, it's not a go-to, but that's one of the, one of the perks of the business right now is a lot of these owners have owned it for 30, 40 years. So they have no debt on it. So therefore, they're able to owner finance it. It's a quicker close. It reduces their taxes. It's, a, it's beneficial for us because we don't have to um, sign all this paperwork with banks, which we've done before and put, put bank debt on it. Um, but a lot of times it allows for a, um, us to do our plan quicker, and then we can go refinance with the bank and pull some cash out. Um, so some other, you know, other questions we ask is, you know, can we see your profit and loss statements, which, you know, what's the monthly rent? How do you people hear about your business? Um, what have you been doing? What are some problems? And then if, if there's a manager there, um, we ask them, um, you know, if you had a blank check, what would you do to the property? That's a number one way to kind of figure out uh, what's, the, what's the number one issue in the park. And then I like to, as time progresses, um, I like if we have it under contract and we're going to buy it. I like to talk with as many residents as possible because they'll tell you the real truth of what's going on. 
um, and what the what the issues are with the park and, and how you can kind of add value. And, and then also, um, we want to know the numbers. I mean, we're, we're, um, we're investors. So I want to know what the numbers are and, and where I can increase and decrease and, and, and what I can do with it. So. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So did you find, you know, that, you know, the, the numbers weren't correct, you know, that, 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 that happens, right? Like you, 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 look, you, you look at the 212 and it's like, no, like th- this is wrong, you know? So th- like you have to read between the lines and that you have, that's why you have so many questions that you ask these people because you want to know the, the truth. And you probably ask those questions maybe multiple times, the same questions, just to find out if, if yeah. the truth or, or not. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times uh, this is like, handwritten on like stuff like like posted notes and like you like honestly it'll be like a book like a moleskin like this um it's it's a lot of our stuff handwritten that we get from these owners and they collect a lot in cash so it's, it's even harder to to figure out what the what the books actually are and what the profit and loss are because it's it's all handwritten so it's, yeah, it's and in cash yeah yeah wow okay okay so talking about the management like all these um operators they own these mobile home parks do they manage and operate you know the properties by themselves or how does it work most of the time when you come across them yeah so uh third party professional property management is not super popular in this business okay um just given the fact that uh, there are some some third party property managers out there i don't have personal first-hand experience with them so I can't speak to, to whether they're worth it or not. A lot of times the problem with this business is their, what they're charging, you know, eight, 10% to manage, manage the property. It's just not worth their time versus an apartment building because the gross revenue is not as high for what an apartment building would be because our lot rents are anywhere from 250 to 350 and we're generating less than normally, uh, less than half a million dollars in, in gross revenue, which is an apartment, you know, is going to gross probably over a million dollars. So it's not super popular. So we do a lot of our stuff in-house. We have on-site management that we hire. We prefer that they live there in the community. They normally have another source of income, whether they're retired or their wife has a job or their husband has a job, whatever. Um, We look for somebody that, you know, normally has the nicest house when we want somebody that's vested in the community, um, that wants to stay there, that wants to live there, that wants to clean it up. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we're not buying... um, stabilized property. So therefore, uh, the management, or even if the old owner just did the management itself, we still have to hire somebody because I can only do so many things as one person. So therefore I have to hire on-site managers. So they're there all the time. So therefore they can answer phone calls, they can handle tenant disputes. And then, um, if we have, you know, maybe a handful of properties in a certain area, we'll hire a regional manager to oversee all the properties. And then I oversee them on a day-to-day basis. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that's good for somebody who's, who lives in a park. That's a free rent and additional, you know, money coming in towards, you know, mm-hmm, managing mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the deal. So that's a, that's a good deal for them. So, uh, so what are the challenges that you came across? Maybe you can share, you know, fun or sad stories. I don't know if you're willing to share those, you know, when it comes to managing these properties, like what's the most challenging stuff that you came across so far? The most challenging so far is collecting rent. <laughs> like any business, um, collecting rent is always uh, a tough part. I mean, you're always going to have people who don't pay, and it's unfortunate. Um, normally, we give them one chance. We give them one chance. Hey, car broke down. Because these people are living normally paycheck to paycheck. Literally, 
um, they're one accident away from, from being set back. And um, we're humans. We understand, even though I'm running a business, I still, uh, you know, I understand people's cars break down. They have medical emergencies. Like we, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad when people uh, are trying and then something happens. So we normally try to work with people, but it's, um, the saddest part for me is when like kids are involved and it's just a, it's a, it's a, and I don't have kids, but we've been in situations where they have four or five kids and um, they're just not paying their bills. And the kids, unfortunately, are just, it's not their fault. And we, we, you know, we'll be evicting people and carrying couches out and carrying all kinds of stuff out. So it's relatively, the yeah. states we operate in, it's relatively easy to, uh, to, to win the eviction on non-payment of rent. Um, and it, yeah, so that's probably the saddest part to me is just that the, the, the parents aren't adults and, um, and the kids have to suffer from it. So unfortunately, because we really try to provide clean, safe, affordable housing for people. And we don't try to be the bad guy. Um, but it does happen in the rental business. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're just looking to run a business at the end of the day, you care about the people, but like, look, like I need to pay, you know, yeah. money. Like I need to collect the money to pay the money as well for, to, to somebody else, like the management, the bank, like, you know, it just goes around. But, you know, when you mentioned that, the toughest part, when you said, you know, collecting the rents, uh, I just remember the story. Somebody said it, you know, like, look, like I I'm from Ireland. You're from the States, like Donald Trump, like hate him or love him, you know, but uh, the guys, uh, I remember somebody said, like, that's why people look at him like as this tough guy who always just, you know, because I mean, his father, when he was building all these buildings, he used to go and collect the rent, like knock on the door, like, hey, give me my money. So, and that's mm -hmm. how you become this tough guy, you know, like, you, you know, because like, that's the toughest part, which is just said, you know, collecting rent. So that's what happened. So moving on from- Yeah, and we don't, yeah, and uh, sorry to just touch on that. We don't knock on doors. We make them pay off site or uh, pay online. We don't knock on doors normally. We will from time to time if they're really behind. Um, because I don't want my managers to steal money from me. Um, and then also the, the second hardest thing is probably just enforcing the rules. I mean, you normally have one or two bad apples and then once you get rid of them, um, making people keep their homes nice, it's always an issue. It's, it's day to day. It's basically a, a subdivision, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's just a yeah. cheaper, affordable housing. Got it. So, okay. So, you know, let's touch something here on a, on a bad tenant side, you know, do you have a screening process to making sure that you don't get any of these bad apples that might affect some other, you know, people living in a, in a, in a property? Yeah. Depending on uh, the actual market we're in uh, kind of determines our criteria a little bit because certain markets, people make more money or certain markets, the demographics are different. So on the whole, we normally look for people to, uh, make three times the, the monthly amount of the, of the rent. So let's say the rent, the lot rent, um, which we normally just rent the dirt. We don't, we're not in the rental business. I don't like that model. Uh, let's say it's $300. They need to make before taxes uh, around $900 a month. So, and then we also look for no felonies, no criminal history. If they do have that, we have a whole list of stuff and based on the age of the years. And if they have like a, a DUI from 20 years ago, they'll I'll normally let them in the park. But if they have a felony conviction uh, from a year ago, they're not getting in my park. If they're a sex offender, they're not getting in my park. Uh, credit scores, while they're important, it's more important about what the, the actual debt is. If they have like medical debt or college debt, those are two things that um, are a little different. Because medical debt, you'd be surprised in the States, um, if you don't have healthcare, 
and you can't pay those bills. I mean, it's billed and it's, you could rack up a hundred thousand dollars very quickly um, in debt. So uh, if, if they have like a, like a gas or electric account that they haven't paid on in five months, normally they don't pay their bills. So we don't allow them in our, in our, in our parks. Also, if they have a prior eviction within the last 18 months, depending on the story, um, we normally don't like to rent to those people as well. So, and we do limit it based on the number of bedrooms. Um, the, it, like if they have five people and it's a one bedroom, it's not going to work. We just don't allow it. And actually it's determined by the states normally about how many kids they can have per bedroom on male and female. So, okay. Is, okay. Yeah, yeah. But look, man, I just want to split it with my buddies, like five people. Why, 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 what's wrong with that? Like, yeah, I do understand you, you don't want to make it a, you know, a mess because that's, that's what it sounds like when you start to let mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. in. So it's, it's good. Like you, you are in the business, you know, I just wanted to share that for you to share that with the people just mm -hmm. to, so they would pay attention moving forward, you know, if, like mobile home parks or just, you know, Airbnbs or whatever that might be, you know, like you need to, you know, screen the, the potential tenants. So, okay. So what about the acquiring the deals now having 500 spaces, um, eight, eight parks. So a lot of those. Uh, so what about the exit strategy? Like 2020, everybody's saying like that we are in the top. So how do you position yourself for, a, for an exit strategy with the mo mobile home parks? Uh, we try to increase the net operating income as much as possible. So therefore we get the highest amount of value and your net operating income is based on, uh, is your expenses uh, after operating the business and collecting your revenue, which is your rent in this case. Yeah. So we try to get that as high as possible. And then um, we either, we will sell. We're not prone to, to not selling. Um, we've sold a couple of properties over this last year. Um, we got offers that we, we, we turned them around and then we either look to uh, sell or refinance. Sometimes we do prefer to just refinance and hold the asset. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we're in a time where people are paying top dollar for stuff, but you can still, there's still good investments out there. Uh, you just have to understand that it's a different game than what it was. Um, I mean, you still should not buy on potential appreciation or you should not buy on um, pro formas. We, we, we buy on what we think it's worth. And then if it's, if it's not that, I mean, I understand like the, the, the prices are getting higher and that's also due to increased rents, um, increased NOIs on net operating incomes on properties. And then also uh, the interest rates are lower. So yeah, we'll, we'll pay up for something a little bit, but I'm not overpaying just to buy an asset. Um, that our capital. Yeah. Our capital, uh, has a little bit higher return objectives. So therefore we um, don't normally like to overpay for stuff. Got it. And how, how big is your team currently? I mean, do you do, you do the underwriting yourself or you have a partner who does that for you? Uh, it's kind of a, there's three of us. Um, but I do, we, I do a lot of the underwriting myself. Um, we're not, a lot of the times I know if it's a deal, if I can just like, do a quick calculation that's that's normally even though that doesn't sound sophisticated um really all the pro formas and all the models are for bankers and investor presentations mm -hmm. um while i can do it i've never seen a pro forma match a real business mm -hmm. it just doesn't things come up it's, i mean we buy turnaround stuff so we don't 
expect a really cash flow year one, actually. Mm -hmm. um, we don't take anything out of the business, out of the, out of the park. We put it all right back into it, or we just hold it in the bank account as cash mm -hmm. as reserves, essentially, to then deploy at future opportunities um, to increase the property value. So, uh, yeah, we still model stuff because we do raise money from time to time. Um, but I mean, it's, we do it ourselves. It's, these aren't overly complicated investments. So, um, there's only so many things you can do with a mobile home park. We don't normally rehab every single unit like you would in an apartment building. We're not demoing stuff. Um, I mean, we are demo, demoing some units, but most of it's, uh, we're increasing the rent. We're bringing in units. We're, we're either selling off or renting out, um, the vacant units that are there. And then also fixing the infrastructure, which are capital expenditures and capital improvements. Yeah, yeah. Basically, just making sure that the business runs smoother. So, well, what about? Are you planning to trans transition into, you know, other asset classes in the future as well? Maybe or, or mobile home parks is going to be your thing. So right now, mobile home parks are my thing. I uh, in the future, maybe apartments, large apartments, maybe other businesses. Uh, I honestly can't say because um, I don't know. Um, I don't think mobile home parks are, I'm very bullish on the asset. Uh, I think there's a lot of like, I'm trying to buy everything just because I think there's a, um, there's basically a dwindling, dwindling supply. There's a lot of money flowing into the space and people are trying to gobble up and buy everything, mm -hmm. um, which creates a lot of overpaying. Um, so I don't know. Um, in the next five years, I, will I be a mobile home park investor? Yeah, I'll probably still have some mobile home parks, but will I transition? I guess we'll see where there's opportunity. I'm more of a, um, where I think there's opportunity and then kind of going from there. So. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cause you know, like I talk myself with investors who are doing fix and flips, wholesaling, like, and it doesn't matter. It's a bottom market, top market, no wholesaling. I, I do a lot wholesaling. Like you're looking at the market, where market is going and you you're open to other asset classes and that might be an option for you moving forward. So that's awesome. So you're a business owner, not just a real estate guy. So that's cool. So Correct. what about, what about f financing, uh, you know, your home mobile, mobile home parks? Can you talk about that? You know, your typical structure, you know, for financing these deals, how does it work? Yeah. Like how do we actually finance the yeah. acquisition? Yeah. So, uh, we've done three, there's three options. Uh, when in real estate, it doesn't matter if you're buying parks, apartments, single families, there's cash where you literally just pay cash. There's a uh, seller financing, which is where the owner holds the note on the property at uh, just like a bank. Normally those are non-recourse, which are uh, basically, I don't have to personally guarantee it. If the property goes bad, I basically give it back. Here you go. I just lose my down payment normally. And that's it. And then there's also uh, bank debt. And then there's also private money, which is uh, similar to bank debt, but it's cash to the seller uh, at closing. So um, we've done all... We've done three of those. We've done bank debt, we've done seller financing, and then we've paid cash. So with the bank debt, we normally um, normally get rates, right? right? Right now, rates are between 5 and 6%. Normally, they require 25 to 30% down. Um, they normally amortize it, you know, 15, 25 years, depending on the, the property itself. And then um, we normally, it's normally a five to seven year balloon with sell it, which is recourse. And then that, that also um, we do have uh, like capital partners that we bring on to help sponsor the debt from time to time. Um, if the deal is really large, which basically means that person has a, um, a large enough balance sheet. And then they're also liquid 
from a cash reserve standpoint to sponsor the loan. Um, if something goes bad, normally the loan, the, the, the properties pay for them, pay for the debt themselves. They look for debt coverage ratios, um, normally of 1.25%, which basically means the property pays for the debt itself. So therefore, you don't have to come out of pocket like you would maybe on a single family house um, if the renter, you know, goes bye-bye. Our property, uh, we, the, the debt coverage ratio basically, if it's 1.25, it basically means that even if you lose a certain percentage of your tenant base, that income based on uh, whatever the operating expense percentage is will cover that debt. So that's, that's the benefit of having multiple doors um, for one, one loan as well. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And does the bank help you actually to underwrite the deals as well when, when they look at the, at the DCR? Uh, so they, they'll do their own underwriting. We do our own underwriting as well. We normally turn over our business plan, kind of, uh, here's our pro forma, here's what we're looking at. Um, we turn over all of the required documentation that they require, which are normally three-year tax returns, profit and loss. And they, yeah, so they'll help us with underwriting. But a lot of times their underwriting is, is uh, either based on the appraisal or based on ours or um, some banks are a little bit more creative, but um, yeah, they, they do help us, but they kind of do their own underwriting as well. And, and, those, and those would be our local banks, right? In your state? So yeah, it could be a local bank. Um, the smaller the deal, normally the, the more local you have to go. Uh, the larger deals we're talking, you know, um, 150, 200 plus units where it might be 10 to $20 million. Uh, those are actually, you can get commercial backed uh, CMBS and conduit debt, which are the Wall Street type debt. And then you can also get uh, agency debt, which is Fannie uh, Mae and Freddie Mac, which are some of the best debt, some of the best debt out there. It's gotta be, it's gotta meet a lot more criteria than, um, than what, a, you know, a small 40 unit park where it's just in shambles. Um, these are normally more stabilized assets, um, quality parks, quality areas, and the terms are really great. They're normally 10-year fixed loans, non-recourse, and they're normally, those rates are actually lower than what we get, which are uh, what, a, what like a local lender would do. They're at like 4.5% right now, which is essentially free money. I mean, if you base it on the the 10-year fixed, which is the risk-free rate um, in America, which is about two and some change right now. Um, that's essentially free money. And then if you factor in inflation and all kinds of other advanced finance stuff, uh, it's almost free money. Man, that's, that's awesome. So what, 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 what does it take for you to, to, you know, to apply for a Freddie, Freddie, Freddie Mac loan? I mean, you, you have to go in a bigger deals, right? That's, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's normally a dollar threshold. And then also they look for, uh, like the operator, somebody like myself or somebody that um, actually would, would maybe have more of a track record than me, um, which my partners do. Um, they normally are the balance sheet partners. Um, I can help, but I can't help sponsor the, the larger stuff at this point in my life. Um, they look for your track record. They look at the property itself. And then they also look at um, some other items that are, you know, what's the market, what's, what's, what's your financials, all that good stuff. We normally go with a mortgage broker that has the relationship with Fannie and Freddie. And then therefore they basically work on our behalf. We pay them mm. um, once the deal closes, but they work on our behalf because they know the ins and outs of it more because that's all they do. They only work with this lender. They only work with Fannie, Fannie and Freddie. So we actually normally turn it over to an expert um, to kind of, to kind of bid it out and try to help us place, place it. So, because they're, um, 
they want our business, we want their business. It's kind of a uh, symbiotic relationship at this point in time um, because lending, uh, people are trying to lend on good assets right now versus 2010, 2011, lending was uh, pretty dried up. The credit market was really freezed um, after 08. So it was harder to, to get a loan. I mean, you could still do it, but it's definitely opened up since then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, awesome. Okay, so moving on to the fun stuff again. Uh, similar to the first question you mentioned, you know, the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, that's how we discovered kind of that was an entry point into the real estate world and the business world. So, you know, can you recommend any three business or real estate books for people who are listening and they want to get involved with the real estate? Top three real estate books and uh, personal, maybe personal, just uh, business, development business books, yeah. uh, business books. Um, my top three, uh, one I just read was, uh, shoot, I wrote it down. Um, it's the one by Steve Swarman. And uh, he's the Blackstone founder, whatever it takes, I believe. Uh, number one book would probably be Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's a, that's a great starter point for people. It's more of a, it's, it's, Yes, it's about real estate, but it's more of a mindset book on uh, personal finance and finance that they don't teach in schools. Um, it's about getting past that, understanding that, um, you know, what are the different opportunities that you have? You just don't have to go get a job, um, work it for four years, and then retire and maybe die year five. Um, there's more to life. And I think a lot of millennials, people my age, I'm 29, um, understand that. And that's why we're challenging it, um, because I actually make less money than what I do, what I did in my W-2 finance job. And, it, and it's hard for people to believe that. They're like, well, why would you do that? I'm like, because at 145 on a, on a, on a what is it, Tuesday, I could literally turn my phone off and go play golf or do whatever. Like, I don't have anybody. Yes, I have people to answer to, but um, that's why I got into real estate. Another one is probably uh, Think and Grow Rich. That's just a, another good personal self-development book. It's the Mobile Home University Bootcamp book. It's the Due Diligence um, book. And then they also have another, uh, it comes with the bootcamp. I forget exactly what it's called. It's, it's actually like in a three ring binder. Um, that's a good book. And then if you're just interested in um, some other, uh, you know, stuff re related to mobile home parks, there's plenty of um, free content out there and there's other books. Um, just Google or go to Amazon and just type in mobile home parks. Actually, the number one uh, investor in mobile home parks right now is Sam Zell. His wow, book really? is also great. It's called Am I Being Too Subtle? It's kind of his autobiography. It's his biography. Yeah, um, yeah. He owns Equity Lifestyles. And then also Warren Buffett uh, owns a great percentage of um, Yes Community. So, I mean, those are two value investors and investors as yeah. a whole to, to really follow and assimilate the kind of what the business and, well, and where it's at. Again, again you, uh, you know, Sam Zell, again, having all this billion dollar portfolio, same coming back to Warren, you know, like they're, they're probably just, you know, diversifying, you know, the assets, that, that's all they do probably. You know, again, it's a good sign to see mm -hmm. like that these big players are investing into these assets, you know, so that means like they're seeing it. Which at the same time, a lot of people is like, oh no, multifamily, man. And everybody's after and there's no deals available. And it's like, oh, you know, so it's, it's, it's a good sign, definitely. And I love that you're, you know, doing the, not following the herd still, you know, because like pe people just, 
you know, follow what's uh, fancy and new and shiny, which you, you do the opposite mm -hmm. of design. So and and Sam and Sam, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Sam Zell actually uh, has never sold a mobile home park, and he's been investing in them uh, since the '80s, maybe the '90s, um, and he's the number one uh, owner owner of uh, parks as far as number of paths in the United States at the current moment. That's amazing. Got to do that. I, I even seen the, the mm -hmm. quote that you have on the website that was Sam Zell's quote as well about the mobile home parks. I see. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, basically, yeah, is what yeah, it's yeah, yeah, quoted yeah. on saying, which is, <laughs> which is a pretty funny thing. So. Yeah, so another book for you guys to go and get, Sam Zell. My God, like I never read, I, I watched um, multiple interviews of his. Just amazing, amazing human being, you know, with all this knowledge and just you know, experience in real estate space. So we definitely go and grab the book. So can we talk about the 2020, again, special year? Uh, can we talk about your main focus for this year? Where are you planning to go with your business and things you're planning to do for this year? Yeah, so for 2020, I plan on, um, at the current moment, um, we're down to about 200 units. Like I said, we've sold some since uh, the last year. We're looking to grow to about a thousand spaces, a uh, thousand units, which whether that's 10 parks, 10, hundred space parks, or uh, three, three, you know, four, 200 space parks. I mean, we're looking for assets um, to buy, whether they are um, big turnaround deals, which is our specialty uh, value add parks. Um, but we're looking to buy quality um, parks in quality locations and grow the thousand spaces is more of a just an objective matter so we're not just you know looking at one park and then doing whatever it's, it's more of a uh, a larger vision so we still are are looking and being on the hunt and stuff like that um if we only buy two parks that is what it is um but we're looking at uh deals i normally look at you know probably 50 to 70 deals every two weeks or and then i'm driving assets and talking with the owners um, you know, we do a lot of, I'm talking with brokers. I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff and kicking a lot of stones more than we used to just to turn over, uh, good deals. So. Got it. So, and those deals going to be, cause you mentioned there's about what you, you said the number was like 2,500 units available. So those would be kind of a 40 plus unit type of deals that you're going through right now. There's probably about 20,000 in, in our market, um, parks that we, that we would consider. Okay. Uh, investable assets from 40 units and above in, in decent metros. So we look at metro MSAs, metros populations of 50,000 and above and the medium housing price around $100,000 in the U.S. Because, because our, our, uh, our product is affordable housing. So therefore, if there's no affordable housing, our product is in, in higher demand. So therefore, we want to be in those markets. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. I just fell in love with the mobile home parks, I think from today, by, by talking, you know, with, by, by talking with Brian. No, it's definitely sounds yeah. like a solid investment. I mean, I don't know, like the stats, they are. Or the Sam Zell and you know, like that the, the market, the product is actually decreasing. There's less and less product available. And now everybody's moving because I think it's going to be super great for you in the downturn because all the people who can afford the B class, you know, like $1,200 per month rent, they, they will go in the, you know, like I, I will stop, you know, consuming and that will be kind of a saving mode. So I think, you know, I don't know, probably occupancy is still kind of a high, you know, on, on your deals, right? It would be. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
yeah, I mean, when we're stabilized, we're we're normally above ninety five percent. Yeah, we try to be um, as far as like physical occupancy goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, during the downturn, I don't have firsthand experience, but um, the thought is that you know it's affordable housing, so therefore people that are in C and D class apartments will then trickle into RSI class because they, yeah, they can't afford certain things. So they're, they're looking to decrease their overall spending because, you know, maybe one of them lost a job, maybe uh, they got cut. I mean, it is what it is. And, yeah. and um, we're, we're just to be clear, we are non-subsidized affordable housing. So we do not accept, at least in my business model, we do not accept section eight, which is uh, basically government housing in the States. So. Oh, that, that sounds like a problem to me as well. <laughs> You know, and, and it it's, looks like it's another business. But, yeah, it's yeah. another business. And, and from the way it looks like you're running your business, you want to make it a clean, smooth, a great, nice place for people to live in. So it's awesome. I love it. I love, the, I love everything what you do. So again, for the people who are looking to get in contact with you to know a little bit more, maybe about the current deals that you have available, maybe you're going to be doing, you know, uh, I don't know, raising capital if you do that, you know, for some of your deals or just people if you want, if they want to ask some questions, maybe you're going to, you know, about the book that you couldn't find it. Maybe they want to, you know, talk about that. What's the best places that people can reach out and reach, you know, and ask those more in-depth questions? Uh, you can email me, Ryan dot, then my last name, Grony, G-R-O-E-N-E, five, five, at gmail.com. Um, I do have a website. It's called the mobile home park investor.com. Um, it's currently, it's, it will be updated uh, within the next, I guess, three months, probably. That's something I've been working on. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and Instagram, all at uh, Ryan Groney. Um, and yeah, if you, if you uh, are looking for any more information, just, just literally any podcast books about mobile home parks, um, and I'm available, you know, you can uh, email me, uh, message me on any of those platforms and here to answer questions and help people out. Love it. Love it. Ryan is just a generous man. He's like, call me anytime at, at midnight, call me and I'll get you. I'll get you. The name <laughs> of the book. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Honestly, uh, yeah, I'm very uh, generous with my time and um, it's something that, uh, yeah, I don't mind helping people out because there's plenty of people that helped me a lot out along the way. And honestly, the more people I help, the better chance I have at actually buying a deal. So believe it or not, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, that's the way it works in life, you know, win-win situations. So today is just another special show, as you've seen, with Ryan Groney. I mean, if you guys enjoyed it, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Uh, those who are looking to learn about mobile home park investing, again, just rewind and go back to the books that uh, Ryan mentioned as well. You know, take those, uh, you know, order and just start investing all that information into yourself. Surround yourself with the great people like Ryan, you know, and uh, you're definitely going to come out owning these 500 spaces and eight, eight mobile home parks across the U.S. or whatever country you're living in. So, Ryan, really appreciate the time that, you know, you spend it with me and with us today. You know, um, I do wish you all the best success, you know, reaching that thousand units, you know, this year and going beyond. And I'm sure you're going to do it, you know, because you, you're an awesome guy. You know, I'm sure you have a great team with you as well. So I appreciate the time and guys, as always, I'm going to see you on the next episode. Thanks for watching.